What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, me and Dan Sant are interviewing Gulch. So uh, repost it on social media and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it and tell your friends and do all that stuff you know you got to do. If you want to go the extra mile, you can go to patreon.com slash 185 miles south and handle business. Or you can check out the website 185 miles south.com and everything's on there. So you know what to do. And uh, let's get on with the show. Hundred eighty-five miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast. What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, I am joined by Cole and Elliot of Gulch. What's up, dudes? What's up? What up? What up? What up? Daniel's helping out too, and uh, let's jump right in. How did you guys get into punk and hardcore? And we can shoot it to uh, Cole first. Oh shit, um, man, me, I got I got into hardcore when I was like fifteen. Um, there was this girl that I was hanging out with. This was like middle school, and her older sister had a boyfriend who played in a hardcore band around here called uh, Seize the Night, and so she. Uh, was the one who introduced me to hardcore pretty much um, just because her older sister got her into it. And then so from there, I just I went to my first local show at this spot called The Cave in San Jose, which is like a pretty big venue at the time. And uh, after going to that, I just got totally hooked on it and then was going pretty much like every weekend that there were shows. Um, I mean, there was a ton of like different venue changes and stuff. I'm sure Elliot remembers like we, we would only keep a venue for maybe a couple shows before it would get shut down. So, uh, yeah, I'll just go into whatever venue was open and whatever shows were happening. So I didn't even, I didn't even care what bands it w- that were playing, you know, does that mean you got into hardcore straight away without like a punk intro to hardcore? And also, um, like what kind of bands were you listening to right as you were getting into it? Uh, I, I definitely listened to like whatever, just super popular punk, um, Ramones, Sex Pistols, uh, Dead Kennedys, Operation Ivy, stuff like that. Uh, cause I had a friend who got me into all that. He was a skateboarder and, and we would skate together and he kind of knew all those bands. So he put me on all those bands. Um, but there was, I mean, there wasn't punk shows that I knew of to go to at that time. So the stuff I was going to was like straight up like metalcore shows, um, not so much hardcore shows. There were some hardcore shows. It was like Hoods Fest and um, I don't know, sometimes some hardcore bands would come through. But most of the shit that I was going to was just like straight up metalcore. Elliot, how about yourself? Um, I actually got pretty lucky. My mom was into like punk and death rock and all that since she was young. And so as I was growing up, that was kind of just all the shit that I was around all the time. I remember one of the first records she actually gave me was the Fugazi, um, seven inch. And she had a bunch of like punk comps from like the Bay area, like San Jose and Sunnyvale punk bands, like her ex-boyfriends would, would be in some of these. And 
So it was just kind of like always around for me. And then when I was like in middle school, I think that's kind of when I started just going out and finding shows for myself. And I'd hop on the, 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 what's it called? The light rail here. It's like, the, it's like a train just to downtown and just go to shows. Like, you know, the, the cave was a big one and there was Makla and San Jose too, which a lot of bands would play it all the time. So, I mean, it's pretty straightforward, I guess for me. Yeah. What were some of the early bands that resonated with you once you started like carving out that, Hey, I like this hardcore thing. Uh, man, that's a good question. Um, well, I mean, I listened to pretty much all the stuff that was local. I mean, cause I was still getting into music when like you had to fucking download it on LimeWire and all that kind of stuff. So it was like mostly local stuff like Redfall, My Over Eyes, um, a lot of weird metalcore stuff and then random like, I guess, punk bands. But um, I guess like Preachers That Lie and Idiot Bitch were like the two ones I remember very clearly. And my mom gave me those records of. They were like her friends. So those were two big ones I'd always listened to. And then, of course, Fugazi. And, um, I guess the first record I bought myself was the Judge um discography that rev put out like a physical vinyl that i actually paid for so i guess that was one of the big ones that kind of got me where i am in it now like to dive deeper and all that what what made you like had had you been turned on to judge or like it just kind of the osmosis of like people at shows talking about all these bands legendary bands that they love you know it was more of like once I got going to shows and you see, you know, the shirts that people are wearing, you yeah. meet everybody and they have bands that they talk about and, you know, discover some other way. And then, you know, then I just kind of picked it up from that. I'm not really sure exactly why judge probably, I mean, I learned about straight edge, but I like your minor threat first. So did you watch assume- that documentary on judge or something that like YouTube one? Cause I remember when you got that discography, yeah, Vice no, that, did a documentary, that, I think. Yeah, that wasn't out then. There was no, there was a there was a half done one. Uh, called yeah. right. There was a half done one on YouTube a long time before Vice mm-hmm. did yeah. that. Uh, oh, rehash no, I of haven't it. even heard of that. I know there was like straight edge documentaries that I've like, like little. I don't remember watching one YouTube though. So because I ha- I had like some DVD of one, but. It was like newer. I don't remember it being that old, like when I was in middle school or high school. As you were both coming up, was like people making mixed CDs and stuff like a thing as well? For me, yeah, Mm. for sure. People at school, like there was this girl at my school and she would make me mixes of like, um, of bands. And uh, it was like in 2009. So it was during that whole era of like melodic hardcore. But Ellie, Ellie, like, so she she would show me stuff like Defeater and Have Heart and stuff like that, but Elliot's one actually showed me Have Heart. Um, but yeah, yeah you for didn't, sure. You didn't like him at first, <laughs> dude. I know, I know, dude. I didn't like him at first, and then they became like one of my favorite bands. But whatever. Did you have a favorite local band in San Jose or in the in the Bay? Because I know what mine was, but I don't ever remember you talking about a band that you liked the most. Uh, uh I mean. Probably at the time, Redfall, but that wasn't even really hardcore. Yeah. But Redfall I, I don't really, sick. I don't really know. I mean, like my overrides was cool to see, but it, it wasn't like my 
I guess, style of because it's more like I don't know. It, I, it's hard because there were so many bands that we'd see every weekend that I could yeah. just like. It was just like we're going to a show. It wasn't about the band. It was just like we're there because there were bands. True. True. Cole, what were your thoughts when you went to Hoods Fest? Um, I actually didn't go to it. I knew of it, and I was like, "Damn, that's some bro shit," and I didn't even go to it. But <laughs> uh, I knew. I mean, I knew it was happening, but I was just thinking that I didn't. I, dude, I was like, I don't know, like sub a hundred pounds at that time. So I was like, "Dude, I'm gonna get my fucking shit rocked if I go to this." Yeah. You know, the judge discography, that's such a, a strange one, I think, to get into with not knowing too much about them, just because that cover art is terrible. You know, compared to like all the judges' records look so rad, but then that discography is just that picture sucks. Yeah, it's pretty when, funny you say that. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're, you know, getting into buying records for the first time to buy a triple LP is sick. <laughs> Dude, I mean, well, and that discography to have that be one of the first records you get on your own. I mean, you can't make that much of a better decision. It's yeah, just yeah. the cover like is rough. You know, they could have just used bringing it down again, which is great. Yeah. But when you really think about the cover of bringing it down, it's like <laughs> the strangest photo to use. I love when you mentioned that. Cause like, you're right. You know, it's like a ripping live photo, but if you dig into it, it's like the guy in the front row is bored. Yeah, it's some guy bored in the front row looking at Porcel, like, on his knees, just strumming. It's really weird. <laughs> it is weird, but it's super rad when you just look at it. Anyway, yeah. back to Gulch. <laughs> Cole, how do you and Elliot meet each other? Uh, we met through a mutual friend um, that I, I was going to high school with him. Because Ellie, Ellie and I, we went to the same high school briefly, but I didn't know him when he was still going to my high school. But we had a mutual friend, and uh, his name's Charles, and he introduced me to Elliot uh, when I was a sophomore. I think I was a sophomore, and he introduced me to him, and and we went to like a show together, and um, and just from there. I don't know. I think we started like talking off and on, maybe like online or maybe started hanging out like as a group. And then, uh, and then Elliot and I went out to a show together, just him and I, it was to go see the Mongoloids. And like, like after that, then Elliot and I just became like super close and, um, you know, we're playing in a band together and, uh, just kind of, I don't know, the rest is history, I guess. Yeah, when, when we talked to Joseph from Tsunami, he was saying that Gulch and, and Tsunami Dudes has been in like a bunch of bands before. Um, Tons, yeah. yeah. Can you talk about some of those and, and some that you think are noteworthy? Uh, well, we pl- the first band that I played um, played in with Joseph was called True Hearted, and, and Elliot did vocals in that, and I played guitar in it, and Joseph did bass. Um, but from there, we just kept starting like side projects that was always that was like the main project for a long time we started some some side stuff one was called um focused aggression and i did vocals in that one and then uh one was like an oi band that Elliot did vocals in called subtle violence and i played bass in that and joseph played guitar and i love then, that band by the way oh no oh, way yeah. yeah sick really yeah yeah dude what Elliot? what's up with that let's make more music I know, I know. Carlos always bugs me about it. <laughs> I know. I have the art and shit for the next thing we're going to do, and I just kind of like, I don't know, I had stuff written, but goals kind of took priority, I guess. Oh, so it's my fault. 
Yeah, it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, but yeah, we had that that band, and then there was like a bunch of other ones. We and then we all played in in Spinebreaker, the death metal band that our friend Alex fronts. Um, uh, dude, there's probably a bunch more. I mean, we were just always like starting new projects. It was like just like once one thing was done, it's like okay, what are we going to make next? <laughs> but why why does some of those things like just become done? Like because I've listened to almost all those bands and they're all great. And it, it just seems like, you know, it's like, okay, let's do one recording. Okay. What are we doing next? It is, was that kind of a thing? Uh, I mean, is it, well, is it two, two of those stuff? bands, it, it, it's like member stuff. Like two of those bands. Um, I started when I was living in Idaho. So I, I was away for a while. And so, I would, I, I made like, you know, two different bands out there and had like kind of some members out there and some members were in California. And then when I moved back to California, we played like mm, two shows or something like that. And then it just wasn't really like getting a ton of like traction. So we were just like, it just kind of fell apart. Um, and then I, I don't know. I don't know. Once we started Gulch, like Elliot said, it was just like that kind of just consumed like everything because it like took off so fast in comparison to everything else we had done. Well, I already well, kind of don't have a lot of free times, like I guess for music as it is. So like with subtle violence, I was writing everything. So I kind of like just had to stop and I was doing spine breaker at the same time and then like writing all that. And that took up a lot of time. And then, you know, with gold, it's like, fuck, I could barely get, you know, my ass to write lyrics. So it's like, if I'm trying to write other things, it just, so at least for those two, like that's why those kind of just dropped off. And the other ones you're like, eh, we've played San Jose a million times. We're not really planning on touring. Like, yeah, t- why, tell them, you know, t- tell them how you write lyrics, Elliot. <laughs> oh, damn you. <laughs> we'll, we'll probably get to that in a bit, but the, uh, no, do it while we're there. Elliot, how do you write? Lyrics? Oh, fuck. Well, I used to actually sit down and fucking write them or he'd send me the music and I'd write it to the music. But slowly over time, I kind of just stopped writing them at all until I get to Cole's house or car or the mics in front of me. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have anything. And I write them while I'm sitting there on the spot. Hey, well, that's how some of the best stuff is, you know? I mean, Daniel, break down the uh, the history of freestyle rap. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> oh, because I because I'm the 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 uh, ground zero for it. No, you're you're the only guy in the country with a better Nas single collection than I. <laughs> well, it's funny that you say like all these bands are like, you know, they kind of just peter out and then they do the thing. The great thing I think about Gulch in relation to this history of different bands is it's like you've almost put a bit of musical direction from each one of these bands into like a big culture and, and like uh added a bunch of evil and then it's kind of what gulch is it's a culmination of a lot of this music that you've done in the past especially the music that you've done in the past together yeah i'll i'll piggyback on that daniel before we shoot it back to him um i think one of the reasons why gulch tickles me so much is because like i'm such a poser in all these different genres where like oh black metal I really like the first three or not the second through fourth, like dark throne records, you know, like death metal. I like like the big first record from all the notable bands, you know, like 
UK 82, just like the popular bands, et cetera, et cetera. And Gulch seems to be like able to take all this stuff and put it in the cauldron, like Daniel's talking about and mix it up and just give you like a taste. Whereas like, I love that for some reason and I can't like put my finger on it. Yeah, no, that makes sense because like you saying that you're a poser because because I'm a poser. So we kind of like <laughs> write music for posers. You know what I mean? Yeah. But No, I'm kind of in that same thing, like with all those genres you mentioned, like, but I'm even less so than you. It's like I, I listen to it because Elliot listens to all that stuff and he'll show it to me. And I'm like, oh, I really like that drum beat or I like that guitar strumming kind of thing from like black metal or I like this or I like that. And then I just like take whatever I liked from that and try and write something similar to it. But I don't actually listen to those, like any of those bands, like, uh, like I don't think I've ever listened to like an entire black metal album. Seer Thief. Yeah. I I steal shit. I just like, I hear it and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to use that, but I'm not going to give a shit about the the genre. (laughs) (laughs) But that's why it's so ill is like, you're cherry picking the stuff that, that grabs you as like a, a casual fan, you know, yeah. putting it out for the populace. For sure. Cause like, like all those, all those genres, like they're, they're cool. And there's certain aspects I like of them or like about them, but I don't necessarily want to hear like an entire album of it. So that's why with Gulch, it's like, I take parts of it and, and put them together. And that's maybe why Gulch sounds like interesting. Cause it's not like the same sound throughout, like even a single track, let alone like an album. Well, right. it, it it is super interesting that it goes like that, you know. And anyway, talent borrows, genius steals. Like the thing <laughs> is with with those things, like Zach saying that he only listens to the things like to be a poser. But you know, it's like when I used to DJ a soul night. It's like, and I'd play the Temptations, and some fucking hipster would be like, "Oh, the Temptation." I'm like, "There's a reason this is the fucking hit, man." Listen mm-hmm. to this song, you know, and that's why you know, all those parts stand out to you because they're fucking great. <laughs> Elliot is a fan of like, or someone with like a more eclectic palette than do you, do you dictate to Cole? Like kind of, I'd like to go here musically or do you let him just write off the head? Not really. I mean, I'll sometimes show him something and be like, dude, like this is sick. You would like this part from this band that I know you normally wouldn't like. Like, I know there's been times where that's happened, but I, I don't really push anything with him because I just kind of let him do his thing because, I mean, it's worked thus far. So, and plus, I, I've always trusted him musically to just kind of figure out shit on his own, how he wants it to sound. And then I'll put in my two cents and just write the lyrics the way I want to. So we kind of just let each other do our own thing and just kind of chime in here and there. So that it, is, the, is the, oh, sorry. No, I was just saying, it's just a good balance that we have where it's kind of like, there's no need to be up each other's ass about it. It's just because we just do it for fun anyways. It's not like it's going to make me lose sleep at night if I don't have it my way with something like music related. I so, wish I had that mentality. Good God. <laughs> I wish Zach had that mentality to not lose sleep also. <laughs> So it, it like the song rating is is definitely split like that. Cole does all the music, you do all the vocals and and put it together like that. Yeah. Because I know in the past you've written music in some of those bands, right? And he sang in it and you know, you've flipped it around that way as well. In some well, of the so past the only projects. ones 
I've written the music on or Spinebreaker and Subtle Violence and, you know, like a few things here and there for the rest, but like that focus aggression one he was talking about, that was all him. So like yeah. all the, all the guitars and everything. And uh, I think I only was in the band as like a bass player for like the live shows, which was like one <laughs> yeah. show, I guess. So, yep. I mean, everything else is kind of like, if he's writing it, he's writing all of it. If I'm writing it, I'm writing all of it kind of thing. Cool. Well, so Zach and I, we're both dinosaurs where we were in bands that then the band was the band. But a lot of the stuff that you guys have done is like you come up with everything by yourself. And do you record it all yourself, like in a in a demo sense or something? No. Um, well, we, we, used ha- to. We, ha- we have in the past. Yeah, with the other bands, for sure. But with Gulch, like it's uh, it's pretty much just me and Sammy the drummer in a room and we'll uh, like usually like we don't really write anything on the spot it's usually i'll have like a, a foundation of like what i want the song to do structurally and then we'll get together and go over it and if we come up with some new like things to add to it then we will but uh but yeah for them for the most part it's me writing by myself and then when i have kind of a like a half baked idea or something that's like almost ready to go, then I'll get together with Sammy and we'll jam it out and, and try and get something solid going. And are you, are you, um, quite, ex, you know, I suppose <laughs> dictatorly with the way you want the drums to sound? Cause that's one of my favorite parts of the band is that the drums conflict between demented oi beats, savage D beat, and then just go, brutal metal you know like it really adds to your sound that makes you sound unlike anyone else because of of the ability to flick from from part to part um are you pretty much like let him know what kind of drums you want to do or is it kind of like a collaboration some parts i'm i'm a little bit more particular like where i'm like you know, I want you to do the hi-hat this way and I want you to do this. I want like the snare hits every, you know, whatever, whether it be a D beat or, or a blast beat or like whatever. Yeah. But, uh, other times you know, Sammy will be like, you know, Hey, let's try this and, and we'll try something that I didn't think of. And, and I'll like that better. So sometimes it's more collaborative, but then other, other times, like I really know what I want it to sound like. So I'm a little bit more, um, I guess pushy with with what he's playing. Yeah, there's a part on I believe it's one of the songs on the tsunami split where it's just it's like the, one of the most caveman things I've ever heard. With the drums is like doing the do da do da do da do da beat. It's like the most ignorant thing, and I love it so much. Um, <laughs> let's let's back up though. What, okay, so you guys are bros and you've done a lot of bands together. What is the idea behind getting Gulch together? What is that conversation like? Like, is there a mission statement? Do you say, hey, we should do another band that sounds like this, et cetera? How does that happen? Do you remember, Elliot? Yeah, I mean, you basically were... me. Well, Okay, so me and Cole actually just moved in together now at this point in Scotts Valley, just north, uh, or I guess it's technically south of San Jose. Um, and you know, we've always been in bands together, blah, blah, blah. So we were like, okay, time to start another one. Um, let's just do it, make a couple songs and 
I guess, play a couple shows and then psh, whatever. Like, you know, there was no big idea behind it. There was no big dreams or whatnot. We just kind of were like, you know, it's normal for us. Let's do another fucking band. It's about that time. And that was really it. I mean, we met Sammy and Tim. Uh, Tim used to play bass for us. Um, and they lived in Santa Cruz and we're playing in another band called Young Love at the time. We just kind of went to a local show out there and saw Sammy behind the drums, which, you know, we only knew him as the singer of, of Drain at the time. So we were like, oh shit, like what the hell? Like this fool plays drums insanely good. Why don't we hit these guys up and, you know, just make music, whatever. Cause it's always just been, been me and Cole, like, and the same old dudes from San Jose, like, let's try something new. And that's just kind of how it happened. Yeah. The sound seems so intentional though, because, you know, I hadn't heard the demo, but the demo is, I believe the last three tracks on the 10 inch. And I mean, the sound is already there, you know, like it's, I don't, you don't sound as settled into it as you'll be on the later stuff, but it's already there. So I guess I'm just trying to wrap my head around like what, What's going through your head, Cole, when you're writing these three songs? Like, what's the intent? Damn. Um, intent. I don't know if there was an intent. It was more like I knew, like, the energy that I wanted. And I just wanted – I knew, like, the tone. It, it, mo- it was mostly, like, the tone of, like, the guitar and stuff. I was like, I want it to be, like, this really, like, just fucking – sounds like an elephant trying to be squeezed through a fucking pinhole or something like super compressed, super fuzzy, like rat tone. Um, and then with just really crazy, like, like super crazy vocals and just like really, really abrasive. And so that, that's pretty much all I knew, you know, that I wanted to sound like, and I think, I think I remember Elliot recording vocals to one of the tracks, um, we did it at the house and then he did a take. And then I, I remember saying like, dude, just like do it as like fucking gnarly as you possibly can. And then he, he did like these style of vocals I'd never heard him do before. And we've been playing in bands for a long time. And I was like, yeah, do that. Like on every fucking track. Do you remember that Elliot? Yeah. Because it hurt. Yeah. Really? that's what, Yeah. You're like, that fucking hurts. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, do that again. <laughs> just keep yeah, doing that. It- it still fucking hurts. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. Hey, it sounds good though. Yeah. It sounds amazing. Elliot, how do you feel about that? Like, first off, how did you feel hearing these songs? And then how did you approach like changing your vocals to fit the songs? Well, so that's, that's the stuff I like, you know, that, that sound really fast, really just aggressive, raw sounding. Um, like it's always been for me, like the less polished, the better. So I felt like that demo was like what I kind of wanted from like being in a band for a long time. Cause don't get me wrong. All the other stuff we, we did was like, that was the shit for me, you know, it was fun and all that. But like, this is just kind of like really just hits it on the head when it comes to like the sound, the sound that I want to hear. Um, so like that part was fine. I was like, yeah, shit, this is, you know, keep doing that. And I'll try to just, you know, go as, hard as i possibly can and blow my shit out because you know i don't know what i'm doing I, I never knew what i was doing i was just yelling as hard as i you know possibly could and even even in the old bands i did before it would always hurt but this i just really was like all right i guess fuck it then it's we're just gonna 
yell as loud as I can and as high pitch as I can. And I guess eventually I kind of just figured it out. So now I can do it a little more consistently, but yeah, that's pretty much all I did was just push it. And now that's where I'm at. So you, you do the demo, you do a seven inch and then both get re-released on the 10 inch, which people can still get. Um, how are you, are you fully happy with the sound at this point, Cole? Are you like, I've created exactly what I set out to, to do uh, yeah absolutely um yeah the demo was kind of just like I, it was so that that sound was so new to me because like elliot said nothing we had done prior sounded anything close to that so um yeah i i felt way more comfortable with writing for the the seven inch uh for burning desire but when I was writing it, I thought it was like too weird. Um, even though it's not anything like groundbreaking, I still thought it was like too, too weird for what people were used to. And I, I totally thought that people weren't going to like it very much, but, uh, as it turns out, people did, which is cool. Um, because I, it was, it was like, I was finally writing something that, that I was stoked on. And it was like, what I wanted to hear in a band instead of like, you know, trying to achieve like a certain sound with like the other projects that I had done. Cause with the other projects that, that I had written for, I definitely had like specific bands in mind that I wanted to try and emulate or sound like or whatever. But with Gulch, it was just like, it was just like, what parts would I want to hear in a song? Like what, what would I, you know, want to hear in a band? So, so that's what I liked. And then of course, like, honestly, like Elliot's lyrics on that, on that uh, seven inch are just fucking crazy. I mean, when I read him, I was just like totally blown away. Cause for so many years he had written uh, or not written about himself or anything personal. It was all like about things in the world or like, just like uh, more universal issues. And so when he, when he wrote the lyrics to that, I was like, dude, this is like, it's still, I, I still think that album is like my mine and Elliot's like masterpiece. Dan, you had some questions about the lyrics. Did you have anything off this? Well, in particular, off that seven inch, like the song "Flesh Pursuit," um, it seems to from a from just someone who likes the music and listens to the lyrics and reads the lyrics, seems to be like a, a really well written song about like sexual predators and deviants. Uh, I don't know if I'm off base there. You're, no, you're a hundred percent correct actually i didn't think anyone really ever quite understood what that meant because it is very uh i don't know vague i guess a lot of you know buzzword or not buzzwords but like colorful words to kind of not make it so obvious yeah it, it seemed you know, i mean like trigger warning like it could be about rape you know and it almost is i think intelligently um shows the side of of the person like i don't care like i'm shutting off my emotional side to go after what i want and it's a it's a it's a really powerfully written song i think it's like really good um great lyrics thanks man i mean yeah that's pretty much what it's about is oh well not it, it i guess it's just me kind of describing how like you, you kind of just see what these, you know, people do and 
how fucked up it is, but it's like, it's really like animalistic and it's fucked up that I I, I want to say you can't really quite understand like what these people are kind of like, you know, thinking about or like what is going through their fucking mind, but it's like, it's just insane. It's like animalistic. It's, it's literally just them like hunting other people for their own pleasure. And it's like the most, you know, like fucked up thing, I guess you get it could do as a person that's just like trying to come at it from a different angle than just talking about like you know making it so everybody kind of understands and I, I don't know it was just one of those things i decided to write about you know everybody knows someone who's had that happen to and it's like just crazy to think about but not a lot of people i guess well, put I in think- song to where it's not fucked up and in your face you know what i mean yeah i think what's smart about it is it 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 talks about the animalistic like hunter aspect of it but it also shows the the compartmentalization of abusers that shut that side off so they can do this and still live with themselves in a way you know yeah Uh, and I, i i that's what i get from it anyway and i think it's it's really great and it's a great song in in general like the the lyrics and the vocals match the music and it's it's fucking killer Cole, what was the one that jumped out at you when you first read it? Uh, lyrically? Yes. Mm, on the seven inch. Oh, man. I really love EBTS, which I don't know if anybody even pays attention to what that stands for, but it stands for Ever Present Thoughts of Suicide. And um, that one definitely stood out to me. And uh, the song RSA also stands out to me. I guess all the, all the, uh, all the acronym ones, those ones stood out. That's cool. Um, how, how does your immediate friend group react to the seven inch of the demo? Like, is it mind blowing? Are they just like, what the fuck? Um, I mean, we seem to get a pretty good reaction from everybody. I mean, all our friends, they're not going to bullshit us, which is nice. Like everybody's like, they'll tell us if it's, not that cool or if they like a certain song over another i mean for the most part everybody was like damn like you know they all backed us on it which was really cool backed us on it but didn't watch us for our first show (laughs) (laughs) what was the first show (laughs) who played that show it was uh the ear of the knife jesus peace hands of god tour yeah that i that i was in the band hands of god and did (laughs) and, and did not play on that tour except for two shows yeah what are your memories from the first gold show damn i i I remember (laughs) i just remember setting up and i'm like damn is anyone gonna come in (laughs) and then (laughs) and then i remember thinking like maybe they'll come in when we start playing and then i was like we're literally gonna play three songs so by the time we were like (laughs) by the time people come in we're we're like halfway done but it was a very typical first show for a band that no one really like, you know, that only had three songs. Going, all right. You know, a couple of people in there watched and yeah. All right. That's cool. <laughs> it, it was for sure humbling. Cause like the band that Elliot and I had played in before that, uh, true hearted, we like, we always played like packed out shows. And so I just figured like people would come in and watch us because we had done that band, but I guess not. I'm glad it wasn't like that though, <laughs> honestly. Cause I hate, yeah. I hate when a band comes out 
with members who had a good band before and it gets all this attention and it's just not that great, but it just kind of like, because of what they've done before, it's like everybody kind of just latches on, which is fine. Cause you know, it, it does happen where it's good, but it's like, man, if our shit sucks, just tell us it sucks. Like, I yeah, don't need I, you to I, pretend, I think, you know what I mean? I think that happens on the other side of things a lot too, is that people don't give, uh, some ex-member bands a chance because they are just latched onto that old thing. And, you know, the merit of a really good band sometimes just, you know, they might get checked out the first time, but they, it, I don't know. Hardcore kids are fickle. <laughs> yeah. You, know? you never know what you're going to get, honestly. Yeah. I think that we're living in an era where the ex-member thing matters like less than it ever has. You know, which I think is is actually a positive thing because hardcore should be driven by the kids. You know, like it's it's respect driven. Like I think that a great thing about hardcore is like the legacies and the legends and so forth. But if like the driving force behind it isn't young bands, then eventually it's just going to be a full nostalgia circuit. So anyway, uh, definitely. But my but, sidebar. But, but uh, yeah, old old people can still make music. <laughs> uh, hey, I know. I, I agree. Um, so for, for someone like me, that's like one step removed from always what's happening. It seemed to me like when you guys did the promo cassette, I think it was just two songs, correct? Um, yeah. Yeah. When, when you guys did that, that's when like the rumbling started, you know, and people are like, you got to check this band. It's like legit something special. And I mean, those two songs are pretty mind blowing and it's weird doing my homework for this podcast. I was listening to the 10 inch and then obviously listened to the LP, which has these two songs. And I, I don't know why, because like listening to the 10 inch, it seems like it's a fully formed band. The songs are awesome and everything, but it seems like on the LP, you guys are just like maybe a little more like relaxed and settled in to what you are. And it's like coming a little, just more natural. And that like bleeds through a little more maybe, or maybe I'm way off, but how did you guys uh, approach doing these two songs? And do you feel like you started to feel some momentum for your band happening after this came out? Um, I, I guess I'll answer since I wrote the songs, but um, with those two songs, like I listened back to them and and same thing with Sammy, like him and I will, we'll listen back to stuff. And we're like, how the fuck did we even think of that? Like, we, like it's something that is so weird. And it's like, why, how do we like the beginning of cries of pleasure, heavenly pain with that whole like marching beat. Like, I don't even remember thinking of that or, or how we came up with that. Um, and same with just like other, other parts of songs were just like, it, it, it's so like out there and we're like, where did we like, where did the idea even come from? But uh, we definitely, I, I don't know. I think that promo came out like maybe a month before we played this is hardcore. And I, I think that after this is hardcore is when we really started to get a lot more attention. And so I don't, I can't really tell if it was the songs or if it was playing this is hardcore or if it was both of them happening at around the same time, but it was all those uh, videos that kept coming out. Yeah. Of like this, Cause yeah. there was a show in San Jose we played, they got posted on like cult nation or something. And like a bunch of other people were like, it just somehow got out there and then this is hardcore. And then same thing happened with that video. Right. 
I mean, that, that's an interesting reason. thing that that happens in in hardcore of today that never really was a thing. You know that almost the hype of a band. You can do the. <laughs> Pardon me for sounding like a dinosaur, but you used to do before the internet zine reports. Like uh, in zines, they would do scene reports, and that's how you'd learn about other scenes. And now you can watch like a show that goes fucking nuts, and it can have overnight impact across hardcore. You know, which is fucking cool. Yeah, I think it's really cool for sure. Let's talk about that. I want to get your guys' opinion. Um, How do you feel about that? Like every hardcore show being like videotaped and put online because obviously, you know, you, if, if you believe that you benefit from it big time, that's super rad. But like, man, there is like nothing I would rather do less than watch hardcore videos online. Like, I, I just think that it loses all the feel for me. Like, like if you're on the edge of a pit, you know, and it's like, you're constantly almost getting hit and shit. There's like so much excitement. There's so much like energy in the room and like, you can never capture that in the video. You know what I mean? Like, do you feel like there's something lost with so many people just watching videos? Yeah. I don't watch, I don't watch hardcore videos at all. I, that, that's why we also haven't done any live, live stream stuff. Cause it's like, you know, I'd rather be at the show, you know, it's like, I'll wait till that shit comes back than to like sit there and watch from my couch. It's just, there's no point for me. You know, it's like, it's meant to be seen in person it's not meant to be because i also feel like i sound like a dinosaur when i say this even though i'm not it's like because we were going to shows when it's like you had to be there to find out about bands you know more so than not and it's like you know it just kind of loses some of its value to me when you can just click a button and watch a whole band set and then you don't get the experience you know what i mean it's like i used to sit on the train you know, by myself as a little ass kid to go see these bands. And it was like, those are the shows that I remember over like anything else, you know, watching back and, and anything on YouTube. It's like, it's not, I don't know. It, yeah. it should, it should be accessible, but to what extent, you know what well, I mean? I, it, hardcore will always be a participation sport period. Like it, you, people are going to watch a video and see people go nuts to you in San Jose and be like, holy shit, when that band comes through, I've got to check them out. It's not like they're replacing that with, yeah. with uh, you know, well, I've seen Gulch, on to the next. You know, it, it's more like, yeah, when when that, when they come through, I am going, you know, or let me well, I agree to that a, record right now. That's the positive viewpoint on it, and that's what I hope it is. Because if that's true, then that's like, great. But if there's a bunch of people out there that just watch videos and then like kind of brush bands off, like, ah, I saw them, it was whatever. Or like, oh, the crowd wasn't going that nuts. It's like, well, you weren't there. You weren't going nuts. <laughs> Show up, you know? Yeah. Like, another that's what thing, I worry about. Another thing I kind of been noticing too, it, it's funny. I actually was just thinking about this like a couple of days ago. It's there's like that app or whatever for like movies and shows. It's like 10 minute videos like where you're getting like this quick entertainment, you know, super quick oh, yeah. in and out. You don't have to follow like a, a series or anything. It's like, I see that happening and I notice everything's popping up like on streaming services instantly. It's like all limited short series. It's like, everything's getting shorter and shorter and shorter because life is moving so much faster. It's like your attention span can only last so long. And I feel like at some point 
that's going to be like hardcore. You know, it's like, okay, I've seen this band in their 20 minute set on YouTube. You know, it's like, maybe it is time to move on to the next. It wasn't that good. You know, it's not catching my attention that long. It's like, if you're not in person, it's of course, it's not going to catch your attention that long. It's like, you have to be there. But right now with just the way that, you know, shows aren't happening and people are still streaming and this and that and the other, it's like, you know, kids are coming out finding bands without ever seeing them now. And it's like, you never know how that's going to kind of change the dynamic of it. It's like our attention span is getting shorter and shorter every year, you know? Right. And there's so many hard, like hardcore intangibles too, right? Like you guys talked about always going to like local shows and, and many of the bands that you saw and loved and connected with a lot of people across the country would have never heard of, but you remember these interactions with bands like, Oh, this older dude was like nice to me or like this dude gave me a sticker or et cetera, et cetera. And like, these are like the, the memories that stick with you like forever. And I just hope that like everyone <clears throat> realizes that like there's more to it to experience. And most of it is like the, the interaction. Yeah, of course. And now it's like a lot of what band has cool merch and, you know, wow, that said look crazy on YouTube. So I'm going to see them, but you know, as long as all these local bands still get attention and a chance and great, you know, that's how it should be. Dan, jump in. Yeah, it, it, I, I feel like, I mean, there's a greater societal problems with the short attention span thing that is happening. I mean, just look at look at what's happening and how people are hoodwinked through the media, et cetera. So, you know, in quick one, you know, one tweet can change. It can weaponize a person. It's just, it's pathetic. The thing that, um, that I, it will never change. Like true hardcore will always be true hardcore, regardless of, you know, there'll be trends in the scene. There'll be different, you know, like, like beatdown came along and then took over for a long time. You know, there will be ebbs and flows and stuff like that always. But the person being up front singing along with a microphone stuck in their mouth from the singer will never die. Like it will always have to be felt that way for it to be a hundred percent real. I feel. Oh yeah. I, I agree with you on that for sure. No doubt. Cole, how do you approach writing an LP? Because everything you do before this, you know, is demo seven inch two song tape. And now you're going in and writing a big chunk of this. Um, what is your approach? Do you just go song by song and try to write the the best singular songs you can, or are you trying to craft an LP? Uh, with with the LP, <clears throat> it's definitely song by song, and it's like it's like it can hardly be called a, an LP because like two of the songs were on that promo. One of the songs is a re-recording from the demo, and the last song's a cover. And there's eight songs, so that's four that I didn't have to write. So I only wrote four songs. So as far as an LP goes, I, I don't know. I mean, it's an LP because, because we had to have an LP, but um, yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely song by song and it took me fucking forever to write those four songs because it takes me absolutely forever to write anything because I have to like plan the whole thing out in my head before I even pick up a guitar. Like I, I rarely pick up my guitar with nothing uh, in my head and just play and, and hope that something comes out because it, it never works. Or I write something and I'm like, well, that was just like my first instinct. There's no way that's good enough. So I just trash it. But 
uh, yeah, it's definitely song by song. Going forward, I'm probably going to try and be a little bit more um, intentional with songs and dynamics of like an album or whether we do an album or we do an EP or whatever we end up doing. Definitely more intentional with with uh, just the flow of songs and the dynamics of songs and and length of songs and, and things like that. But but yeah, with the LP, it was definitely uh, it, it was it was pretty easy it was pretty easy to write because it wasn't very many songs that had to be written. Yeah. I apologize for my math. I went to public school in Oxnard. <laughs> it's all That's what happens. But uh, <laughs> I, I just want to, what, what you, when you're talking about like your songwriting process and, you know, only sitting down with a guitar when you have intent that it brings up like kind of a, a weird theory I have, and I'm not like a new age person at all, but like, I think that creating art is more figuring out how to channel ideas more so than like sitting down and creating them yourself. Um, how do you get your ideas? Like, do you like, okay, full exposure. Like a lot of my ideas I get in the shower. I have no idea. Straight why. up. Yo, like, same. Okay. Like literally. Yeah. That's where the, that's like where it all happens. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm getting at. So do you think that 90% of your ideas come in the shower? Yeah. It's a drum beat. Like I'll be, kind of thinking about music and then I'll, I'll like think of a, a drum beat and then think like, Oh, and then there can be a pause and then it will be like a guitar riff. And then all the instruments will come in with this or whatever, but it's always like in the shower. And I don't know what that is. Like they got to study that because that's funny that you say that. Cause you're not the first person that I've heard say that either. So I know it's gotta be a thing. No, yeah, it's, it's, a little it's, a, bit. it's a thing where your subconscious takes over. Cause you're thinking about, you know, you're showering and you're, you know, but there's an underlying thought that like the creative process is like taking over. I mean, it's when I spiral the most is when I'm in the shower, all the dark thoughts start coming. I'm like, ah, well, I mean, that is a thing. Like a lot of people cry in the shower, you know? So is that because like certain senses are being shut off or is it that there's like a, a background ambience of white noise? So like you're, thought palette can be anything it can be. I, I don't know. It's probably a mix of like all of that. Cause like the warm water and like the white noise and, and everything it's like, cause my, my life is like so hectic. Cause like I run, I run the print shop and like, you know, I, I have two kids and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, I think I finally get into like a relaxed state so that ideas can roll in. Um, and, and it's always like in the morning, like super early in the morning is when I, I think of all of the music stuff. So then do you rush to your phone to like sing into voice memo or something? No, I'm pretty good at remembering stuff. As soon as it's in my head, it's kind of like locked in there and, and I can call back on it. Um, usually if it's not something that I remember, then I'm like, well, it must have not been a very good idea. Right. Because sometimes you get that early idea in the shower and you hash it out in your brain all day. Yeah, exactly. You know, Elliot, it seems like you're the exact opposite and you kind of thrive like under pressure, even if it's like a pressure, like a time constraint that you create on yourself. Do you think that's accurate? Yeah. I mean, that's how I've always been in, in school also. I mean, I, I do enjoy writing. Well, I, I guess I said I did enjoy writing a lot more. So before I used to sit down purposefully and like pull out a pen and paper and actually physically write lyrics and cross it out and, you know, all, all that good stuff. And 
I think just as time went on, I just kind of like, just as the music or as the lyrics kind of became more personal, I, I like to shut things, you know, out. I don't like to share, I guess you'd say, like most males, <laughs> um, which obviously isn't the best. Um, so I guess me writing these things out is like, I have to like, think about it. You know, I have to talk about it. I have to, you know, face kind of the bullshit I don't want to, you know, face. And so for me, it's like, why do I want to sit down and kind of like put this out there when I could just force myself to do a last minute and then kind of not have to think about it again. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm, I'm very much like that with any kind of pressure to at work or like if something stressing me out. I kind of just like block it out and just, fucking keep moving so i feel like that's how i approach this you know this process now as well right do you do you have the rough idea of something that you want to get down though and you just don't want to face it right away so you put it off to the last minute or are you literally waiting on subject matter to the last minute um so i guess so the way i've done it now with gulch is i'll have i'll have the melody kind of in my head usually first and then, yeah, I guess I'll have something I know I kind of would be like, okay, I should talk about this in a song. And then I'll come up with the title usually first to kind of give myself something to work off of. Cause like we were talking about that, um, what song we were talking about, uh, Flesh Pursuit. And it was like, I wasn't using very obvious wording to kind of get the point across. So I'll have like a title first that sounds kind of like it, you know, it might be that. And then I can work off that theme and kind of like idea so that it kind of just makes it easier for me to like hide it in a way. So it's like not right in your face. You know what I mean? So when, when you go in to do vocals, are you doing like straight up Biggie Smalls, like just step up to the mic and it's all coming from what you've worked out in your brain or have you written like at the last minute at the 11th hour written the lyrics down and then perform oh, I'm, I'm writing them while i'm sitting there cole literally has it selected so this like one part will play on repeat and i'll sit there with the headphones on while he's just you know waiting for me and i'm writing down kind of the the words to the rhythm that i already have in my head but the, there's just never any lyrics there's there's the song title <laughs> but yeah, there's no yeah. lyrics well, until that, that's I'm a good framework writing. to work off you know so l- lyrically and thematically i feel many of the songs especially as we're entering the lp era um touch on topics of like mental issues torment uh perhaps illness uh you know to an extent um including the title of the lp is there a conscious effort to tackle mental issues um whether I know you said you don't like to share, but you know, we all live in our own heads. So is that where a lot of this is coming from? Oh yeah. It's, it's all, you know, kind of my own thing. And um, I, I know a lot of people say, Oh, I put it out there and it, it makes me feel better. It's like, Oh, it's my therapy. I don't, I don't really know why I kind of like choose to put it out there. Cause it's not like I'll put it out and explain the songs to a bunch of people and be like, this is what it means, you know? And no one no, really I, ever comes to me and it's like, Oh yeah, this song speaks to me. I'm like, well, you know, cause it's not really supposed to kind of catch on to anybody specifically. I mean, you could take what you want from it, but 
you you hit it right on the head with the other one. So I'm sure there's people who kind of pick at it and, you know, make sense of it for themselves or they kind of just realize it's about a specific thing, you know, well, in one I way feel, or another. I feel like it'll be fully cathartic whether you need to even discuss it. I'm the same way, like, I'm the king of vague booking. <laughs> like I'll, I'll put out something when I'm really down in the dumps, but I don't want anyone to reach out to me about it. And uh, I'm like, oh, so then I, you know, just fucking delete it immediately. I'm like, I want to get this out in the world, but I don't want to talk about it. You yeah, know? I, I guess that's pretty much it too. There's, I mean, I think there's something there that once you are able to at least speak it out, and it comes out super poetic anyway. So it it's adding so much to these songs that um, I feel like, yeah, they're open for interpretation, but people don't have to, you know, drag you over the coals to get the exact meaning from you. You know, part of us podcasting and being interested in your band is like wanting to talk about it, but I know what you mean. Like this is what I wanted to address. And I mean, I feel like the title of the LP is a really, um, a really good clue to kind of what's going on anyway, you know? Yeah. It's, it's funny because Cole always brings up, it's like, you know, very poetic and it's, it's not like I'm trying to make it as poetic as possible because I think I'm such some such like great writer and, you know, I want to, you know, show off my wide vocabulary. I'm literally just like, fuck, like how can I say this without saying it? <laughs> No, so but, really, but that's the really thing. trying hard to do that. Hardcore is truth. And you are just like speaking your own truth. And like, that's why it comes out and it is poetic because you're not trying to be poetic. If you tried to be poetic, it would probably come off whack. Yeah, for sure. You know, well, I, I mean, I feel like with these lyrics and this music, like, this was the perfect LP to come out at the beginning of this global pandemic for real. <laughs> like the discussions of perhaps the mental issues and depression hit home to a lot of people across the globe. I'm sure. Also, while the music is so super creatively constructed, you know, so it allows for more and more interesting listens and to deep dive deeper into what the music's all about. And, you know, not to mention the whole LP rips like, but it was like the, I think if anybody benefited from <laughs> COVID kind of coming around, I think the tone and like genius of your guys's LP really almost benefited from it in a weird way. Obviously you didn't benefit from not being able to play and all of these things, but like just the LP being what it is, coming out at this time, I think I feel like has allowed a lot of us that listen to it to enjoy it over a longer period of time. Yeah. Elliot, I think Daniel's trying to say that uh, he really loves your lyrics and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right. You lo- I mean, Daniel loves this LP and I do too. I mean, like I've, I've talked about it before on the pod, probably painfully, but like I wasn't a huge American nightmare fan until like well after the, the first LP came out because Wes's voice on that record was so shredded and gnarly and they got so popular. And I was kind of a fan because of that. Like 
I am embracing that so many people are liking something that is first off, so honest to this band. And also that sounds so musically abrasive. And I think that you can like draw a lot of similar lines between that and this. And like a lot of the reasons why people are so behind Gulch is like, you're not playing anything safe, you know? And like, that's kind of what burns a lot of hardcore bands. In my opinion, like the enemy of, of punk and hardcore music is never like a sour note or, you know, having a clunker song. The enemy is playing it safe. Yeah. Or trying to please someone. Right. Trying to like chase someone else's sound or coming off generic or lame. And like, it's just something that no one can accuse you guys of. And so I think that's why there's so much like momentum behind it. And like, it just feels like people are legitimately like rooting for you guys. You know, us included. Damn. Thank you. That's sick. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel you with that whole trying to chase like another sound. I feel like, I mean, I'm not trying to talk shit about like any specific bands or anything, but I feel like that's kind of like the formula for a lot of bands is to chase a formula or like chase a specific sound. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like, I feel like anybody could do like what we do if they just wrote what they liked instead of what they think other people like. Yeah, I mean, Zach brings up American Nightmare. Post-American Nightmare, there were, you know, tens to 15 bands that, whether it was consciously or subconsciously, were just bad rehashes, you know, of AN. And I'm... Hardcore kids, they may not be able to voice why something is so good, but they know when they know. And when something's so authentic, do you know what I mean? So they put the fingers on the pulse and like, oh, this speaks to me because it is what it is. It's not trying to be anything else. Yeah, I feel that. I mean, that's why I love that band Have Heart so much. When I heard that LP song, The Scream of the Sun, it was just like so different than anything I heard. And you can just tell that it's super genuine. I think that's why the album stands out to me so much. I think that with them too, yeah, like that is a lot of the merit of that band. Like, you know, I, I'm not really a fan of them musically, but they're another band where it's like, man, I always root for them. Like they seem authentic. They're coming from the right place. Yeah. It's authentic. It oozes through like, they're not trying to be something they're not, you know, I would say though, I I hope that there's a bunch of like Gulch copycats. It would be hilarious. (laughs) You know, that'd be sick. It would be right, but to like see people try to attempt this and like fall on their face would be very funny, you know. I wonder if you know Gulch will be the signpost, as we always say, post terror hardcore. You know, a million bands then tried to take what terror was doing and and do it. You know, I wonder if there'll be a mil- a post Gulch. Well, I think what is yeah, I think what is more like um, is like a tragedy right? Where it's like one band comes out and nails it and there can't be a copycat because it's like too obvious. Yeah. You know, like, and only one band could do it. Like there can be a million generic DB bands that are all like pretty good, but like a copycat tragedy or a copycat Gulch would just be hilarious. You know, I'm down Let's for talk. it. I'm down for it too. Let's <laughs> talk a little bit about the artwork on the I guess really on everything, like the artwork on the 10 inch is amazing as well, but the artwork on the LP is 
insane. It's like everything lined up, the songs, the lyrics, the recording, and the then like, have the art to like, yeah, the title and then the artwork to top it off. Like what went into this? Um, was it created for you? Yeah. 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 We, we commissioned a guy, uh, same guy who did the 10 inch, um, to do that. And then he, he did like a bunch of merch designs for us too. But, uh, he's a tattoo artist out of Vancouver. His name's Boone Naka. And he did, uh, yeah, he did all the artwork for us. We had the art like way before, I feel like with that artwork before we even had a name or maybe we didn't. No, yeah, he remember, posted it like a long time before yeah, we right. really had anything going on with it. Yeah, he was like new album art for Gulch, and it was like before the LP was even written. <laughs> You're like, take it down, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's chill. But uh, I think Ellie and I gave him like a loose idea of what we wanted, and then he just kind of ran with it w- with whatever he was feeling. But uh, yeah, he's definitely a super like unique artist. Um, yeah, I love all the, that artwork. The great thing is it matches Gulch uh quite well in the simple fact like on first pass i don't know if i like it you know on second pass oh i really like this third pass oh i fucking love this you know the same thing with the uh L- well i was more familiar with the lp artwork and then r- retconned back to the 10 inch you know mm-hmm. yeah um but it, it's so good and and also the recording like I know you went in with Jack, uh, Jack Shirley, right? For the yeah. LP. And I feel like the production on it is so fucking rad because it almost, well, first and foremost, like going and recording somewhere with someone who knows hardcore, like, and punk, like is, but also is a great engineer is, is amazing. But then I feel like, and I may be off here, but you know, Joy Division were famously like the production of Martin Hannett was so good because you could hear each individual instrument, including vocals, as not like all mashed together. And I feel like the recording on the LP is really good at at the song sounding full and thick, but still you can listen with your ear and pick one thing out and listen to it and you can hear it perfectly, you know? Yeah. It's Jack, interesting you say Jack's that though, because we did it, because we did it live. Right. So I feel like, you know, if you do it live, it should kind of sound more mashed together, but I mean, I don't know shit about audio engineering, but yeah, <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I actually like how it sounds a lot, which is for me, I usually like the shitty garage demo kind of sounding stuff, but I was actually pretty happy with this one. We were able to get some tones that make it sound brutal and not overproduced while still being able to like have it sound bright, you know? And so it's, it's more palatable. And it also, those, the way it's recorded, like gives your band more range, which you need because Cole is going from everything from black metal to like mosh, you know, like he, you gotta have like kind of that big recording. And I'm glad he went that way. Yeah. I I don't, see us going to anybody else in the future as i mean as if i had it my way i, I would just go to jack every time because he's awesome and he knows our band and he's super easy to work with and he records in the fashion that we like which is like everybody in the room no headphones no click track um you know nothing it's just us playing together 
as a band. And that's, I don't know. He just captures, he captures what we sound like, you know, that's like, that's what we sound like live and he captures it so well. Yeah. And the energy that, that recording that way, it doesn't get sterile, you know, were you shocked by, uh, like the accolades you got off this LP, like first off the, the popularity. And then also like that there's lots of, I guess, critical appeal here. Elliot. Um, I mean, I'm pretty shocked. I kind of like to just, I don't know. I feel like we're both very humble about what we do. Cause we don't want like a spotlight on, on anything and all this like weird attention for it. So for me, it's just like, we're putting on music and like if our friends like it and if we get to play shows and cool, but like to see random, like big websites that we've like seen shit on before, like post about it. It's just kind of strange. Um, it's cool though. Cause it's, you know, gives us opportunities to play more shows and more places that we wouldn't be able to, I guess, without that kind of attention. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's, it's just nice to have it out there and not a hassle to do so, you know, cause it's not coming really out of our pocket. We don't have to, I guess, grind as hard anymore because we are all super busy and, have lives outside of just making music. So, you know, the, the more attention we get from it, I guess the easier it becomes for us to continue what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Cole, do you get validation from it? Because like you were saying before, you know, this is the first band that you feel like you really wrote what was in you. So it has to feel like, so good, not only having support of like the kids and the fans, but also of like critics that off, that often get it wrong. Mm, I, it depends. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes it's cool. Sometimes I get like really stoked off, off certain people liking it, but then other times, other times I'm like, uh, other times I feel like people are only writing about us because it's like a hot topic and they're like, Oh, this is that band Gold that everybody's like talking about. I should write about them so that we become relevant. You know, like I'm not trying to say that, um, for the clicks. That, yeah. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, exactly. I'm not trying to say that like, um, what's the word? I don't know. I'm trying to go about this humbly, but I feel like people see how big we are and everybody just wants a piece. You know what I mean? Uh, like a piece of the attention by like talking about us or posting about us or, or doing whatever. Um, but definitely there, there are some things that like I get really stoked off of, um, and get really surprised about that. There's people so far out of the hardcore realm that have even heard of us. It's like really weird. Is is there anything in particular that really stoked you? Um, just just recently, uh, the singer of Deftones tweeted that he was listening to us, which I thought was like really crazy. And then uh, the artist that does a lot of the Deftones stuff and, and did the hybrid theory art for Lincoln Park reached out and wants to work with us, which I thought was like just uh, like I, I don't even know how a hardcore band from San Jose is talking to these people, but. It happened, so I don't know. Blows my mind. That's so cool. So cool. <laughs> well, I saw Chino do a whole set with Bad Brains when HR didn't show up. <laughs> oh no way! So he's got yeah. I mean, I know he has credentials. Roots. Yeah, I know he has roots in hardcore, but just like thinking about like somebody at that level, I would just think that they wouldn't be as in touch with like what's going on right now. 
yeah, yeah. And they, they might that they're not trying to have clout either right so they probably honestly right. like it oh yeah yeah for sure no I, I don't think that he's trying to clout chase or anything like that let's talk a little bit about the tsunami split this is such a cool idea because you know you guys have a lot of hype and momentum you could have done pretty much anything but it really seems like the san jose uh santa cruz area you guys are really riding for like what's going on right now and it's it's really cool to do a split with your friends band um what's the idea behind this and can you talk a little bit about like your area and the camaraderie in general you want to talk on this one elliot you want me uh yeah sure i'll, I'll talk about it um well I feel like we've talked about doing something with Tsunami before, but because we've always kind of had that running joke with them is like we're enemies. And yeah, the wrestling, <laughs> the wrestling uh, storyline. <laughs> yeah, and nobody, you know, really kind of figured it out, you know, until we literally spelled it out for them. So it was just kind of like, all right, well, now that we've done all kinds of other weird collaborations with them, talking shit and doing T-shirts with them, pissing on our name. <laughs> Why not just, you know, do a, do an actual split and it's just like, you know, it's it's cool. It's like the homies that we've been in bands with forever, all these guys and played shows and, you know, just makes sense. Yeah, I'd rather do a split with somebody who I know than just a band that's going to get us more attention or, you know, vice versa. It's like, it's not about that. You know, it's it's about just doing it with people who give a shit and they give a shit just as much as we do. So we want to represent where we're from so they do the same thing yeah cole that first riff like the mosh riff on that first song on the split good god man where did that one come to you (laughs) (laughs) is that a shower riff too (laughs) dude so that one you know what that one my i might have actually written that one in front of my amp surprisingly enough but uh, I definitely wrote that one because originally this split was actually going to be with uh, that band Sangui Sugabog. And um, and so I was like leaning more into death metal for these songs, but then that ended up falling through. So, um, so yeah, it, it may seem like kind of strange uh, to have a, a riff that heavy on a Gulch song, but I don't know. Yeah. But when I wrote it, I was like, dude, what the fuck? Like, this is like, this is, this is way heavier than what I normally write. Yeah, I probably get that that shit from Elliot. Honestly, he he writes such heavy riffs like for that for that band Spinebreaker, and there's like a bunch of songs that he wrote for Spinebreaker that aren't released or may never be released. I don't know, but they're fucking heavy. And I don't know, maybe I was thinking about that when I wrote it, but but yeah, that's definitely not my typical riff that I write. Well, Zach went mental on the one eight five miles group chat when this split. Uh, dropped that evening we all like were listening to it uh, in our own different areas and he's like holy fuck <laughs> <About that riff. laughs> hell yeah yeah that riff was hard enough it soothed me that uh i set an alarm and it was refreshing and still didn't get the rarest press God oh, but no, damn it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's rough it's rough out there i don't know i don't know what people are doing i don't know if they got bots or what but people are for real they've got crazy. supreme bots to get yeah, these dude. records for real i don't even know what bots are i just hear people talk about that shit i'm not like a sneakerhead or anything so i don't even know but but people talk about it so maybe maybe that's what people have i don't know they got yeah, it they definitely do but we're, we're 
we've we've got the Joseph plug. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I just want the record and I'm glad that I got it. Like I don't I don't care on the press. Either. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, right. That's why you were like, I didn't get the first press. <laughs> yeah, what do you what did you say in the chat? Tell us how he really feels. <laughs> well, no, I mean, to be honest with you, there's a few things that are cool about that. Because first off, I think there was two thousand made or something in total. And I love that because everyone can get it. You know, like the mm. physical copy of it. Because when the LP came out, I bought a couple of them because I knew that people wouldn't get them. And like, I gave my extras away, you know, it's just, I want people to be able to have it. Like my friends that like physical music and aren't refreshing all the time, you know, it's like my refresh game is pretty honed in from like, you know, when Iron Maiden tickets go on sale, like I'm up, like, you know, they go on sale at 10 AM. I got to refresh so I can get the good Maiden seats, you know? And Mm -hmm. uh, it just hasn't translated to hardcore because people are quicker. You know, no, I can it's the, it's the box for real, Zach. It really is boxed, like it no is. joke. Why why wouldn't Iron Maiden tickets have bots going for them though? I mean, they probably do. Well, I mean, we can get into the whole semantics of why Ticketmaster has a secondary company that they make sure to get all the front row tickets to. I know, I know. What are you gonna do, um, Daniel? What else do you have? Um, I just wanted to talk about the Susie cover a little bit too, because um, it's such like, I mean, it's an incredible closer to the record. It also is like very creatively done and still sounds like the original, but but is not like the original, you know? And I was going to ask like, what made you choose that song? But then uh, Elliot said earlier that his mom got him into death rock and stuff like when he was young. So I assume that was a big influence, but that's, that's exactly why. I mean, I would just, I asked, Hey, we should do this song. Yeah. Is there, is everybody down? They're like, yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> Pretty much. That's all there is to it. It's one of my favorite songs. So that's that. It's- it's done so good. And then the part that makes it so different and, and this is what you do on a few songs, which I, I really like, but the, when you go the bah, 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 like, and do that part, it just takes it to like, it went from being this kind of really ripping at your emotions, like soft intro, blah, blah, blah. And then, Oh, knuckles are dragging along the floor. Once that part comes in, you know? Yeah, we kind of just had to keep it going enough to where it was like, oh, that's okay, that's Gulch. You know, it's not like we're switching gears completely and just 100% covering it, you yeah, know, exactly and, how it is. And Cole, I think the musical arrangement on that cover is really fucking cool. Thank you, man. We we uh, we pieced that together in the car right before we stepped into the studio to record it. <laughs> we, we, had, we just and had the track on live. repeat. Yeah, we we had the track on repeat just sitting in the car. We're like, okay, let's like, okay, we're going to play this part. And then like, I don't know. Okay, so the guitars can come in here and like with the distortion. And then we'll like, we'll do a DB here instead of like, instead of like continuing that Tom beat that they do. And then we fuck it up though. Didn't we? It took us a while to get that one right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Our timing is different for sure. Um that's uh, Zach's favorite thing, the victim in pain three instead of the four. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny, oh, man. Fuck. That band is so like like subtly weaved into into our band. It's kind of funny. Like 
me and Christian, the other guitar player, we both play the guitar that's being played in uh, the music video for Spellbound uh, from Susie. And then Elliot has Sin in My Heart tattooed on his neck. And it's just like that band is so like weaved in to this band. Um, and so it's funny when no, when nobody even un- knows that it's a cover and they all think it's an original. Well, I, I, I would say like most people that are picking up the LP, unless they read the liner notes and stuff, you know, they're, they're thinking it's a gold song. I don't even know if we put it in the liner notes, to be honest. Oh, we probably should have, huh? <laughs> yeah, we're probably going to, probably going to see them in court. Nah. <laughs> well, if you keep getting big, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or get a collabo. Yeah, Sanrio didn't take us to court, so I don't know. Maybe we'll follow <laughs> the radar. <laughs> no, you had to go and fucking bring that up, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, but w- what's going on with uh, the IG ads? Every time I like look at Instagram, I've got I'm getting uh, hit up in a in a directed ad for to buy Gulch merch. Shut, really? Yeah, for real. Like real Gulch merch or fake Gulch merch? Well, I don't know. I mean, I. Click that cookie, Daniel. I'll click it next uh, time. Because people have, uh, they've sent me links and like, yo, do you know about this? And there's like all these websites called like T-Chip or like other weird ones where they're they're selling like Gulcha designs, but it's all mocked up on like tank tops and coffee cups and scarves and shit. It's it's not quite that because my old band, our logo was used on one for that said straight edge and it was the worst mocked up thing (laughs) ever. But this is more legit and it i thought it was you know maybe like you'd licensed no. your stuff to a merch company to do a few designs next time i see it I'll, I'll definitely screenshot it and share it in the in the group text yeah i'm curious no all the merch comes i mean directly from us and we have no social media so it's not like we're running ad campaigns or some shit elliot did you ever play the Susie cover for your mom uh no i don't think i usually don't like to show her i mean she knows she'll kind of see the shit pop up and she'll ask me about it but i don't know she's uh not really into that kind of stuff anymore and she likes to pretend she doesn't swear anymore either but (laughs) she kind of she kind of gets on my ass for things and asks questions and i'd rather her not (laughs) so i try to draw as little attention to anything we do music related anymore you know <laughs> yeah you're just, gonna end up just like, for that reason uh, mike muir in the uh institutionalized video she reads all your lyrics yeah i'm like fuck just stay away from from i i literally had a blocker on social media because she would just see my tweets or she would like she would reply to shit and i'm like mom what the f- what the <laughs> hell like this is not meant for you to you know see for for obvious reasons yeah, don't worry, dude. I think my mom's been on uh, requested on Facebook for twelve years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I block my family on fucking everything too, dude. Your mom replies to every single one of my stories that has you in it, which is oh she, do, she, she does the quick reacts with the hard eyes and everything. Any anything band related or with you in it, it's it's hell funny. She tried to follow me on Twitter, which is basically like a Finsta, and I had to fucking block her ass. So, oh fuck, she follows me on Twitter. Your mom does. <laughs> oh, dude, can you block her or can you not retweet anything that I fucking say? It's like it's like me. you're gonna post I like a picture. God, oh my god, you're gonna post like a picture of me with like a bunch of mushrooms. She's like, what the fuck is this? I'm gonna fucking send it to her. <laughs> He's making pasta. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap this soon. I, I just I want to circle back to one question that Daniel kind of alluded to a little bit, but do you think that Gulch has benefited or um, suffered from COVID? Because I think you can make arguments both ways. Uh, I don't know. To me personally, suffered just because fuck, man. It's like I. I don't feel like releasing music when we can't play it. So it's just killing me personally, at least. And it's like, I I don't know. I feel like we've had good enough traction to where it's like, when we go back to playing shows, it'll hold up. But I feel like for a lot of bands, it's like they'll release something. And then by the time they get to play it, it's like, you know, fuck, where are we again? Like what's going on? You know, what music's been put out. It's like, everything's just kind of starting fresh. And it's, I don't know. I guess for us, it's okay right now, but any longer it's just gonna start fucking it up i'd feel like yeah i think so too like yeah it definitely sucks to not be able to play like no record release nothing like that and like we had a lot of cool shit planned like right before covid like we had tickets ready uh we had bought plane tickets to go to texas we're gonna go play um thrasher deathmatch and then we didn't get to do that and then uh we also had tickets because we were gonna play damage city and we didn't get to play that and so that all sucked. And then, I mean, now, like I just got an email today from, uh, some people in Texas trying to rebook shows for like January of 2022. And so it's like, damn, we're going to go like almost a full fucking year without playing. And we've released two things since then. And so it's like, I don't know, almost feels like a fucking death sentence for the band. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, and and I fully agree with that. Like the fact that, a hardcore band can't play hardcore shows fucking sucks but on the on the flip side of things something to really take from this though is like in this short attention span society and within our short attention span scene these records have still held like been at the forefront of people's listening over a year and that doesn't happen very often exactly so you know, for that to still, you know, have the longevity in this short attention span world, I think it can only make these first shows back be fucking incredible when they happen. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it happens in 2021 or 2022, Daniel is committed to taking his shirt off and moshing to San Jose would uh, have an ordinance against that. Yeah. You have to take the belt off too, though. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll have yeah. a chain belt on. Yeah, and construction gloves. Now you'll be good because didn't didn't Joseph certify you RBS? That's that's true. He, he said I didn't have to wait for the ten ten years. Yeah, you're good then. You can do whatever you want at a show. There you go, Dan. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to take my back too. So I think up? Zach's gonna have to come up for your first show back. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait! I can't wait! Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Um, Anything else you guys want to wrap on before we get out of here? Daniel, do you have anything else? No, I just, I've, I've really enjoyed uh, chatting with you guys about it. Cause we, Zach and I know shit, both really love the LP and both actually like all the stuff, but the LP has been, I don't know if you've listened to the pod at all, like uh, in the past, but you know, songs off the LP were chosen for the Bay episode i think and then they were also chosen as like the year end like year in 19 year in 20 bay episode yeah, yeah so three yeah and, uh, damn yeah i love i love the the lp a lot and 
I would love the 10 inch too, if it wasn't on the worst format ever. I got a 10 inch boycott <laughs> going on in my record collection. <laughs> That's true. He hates 10 inches. I have very few 10 inches. So I feel you on that one. Uh, There's yeah. a really good one by a band called Northern Towns. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, you've been very generous with your time. It is much appreciated. Do you feel like you've been well represented? Oh, yeah. For totally, sure. Man. Yeah. Thank you guys for great questions, not asking the same stuff that we answer all the time. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for letting us talk at you. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, man. No, this is, this is great, man. I really enjoyed this. Thank you guys.